Do whatever you have to. Just get them to sign on. Sex? Consider it one more step in learning the fine, fine art, art of diplomacy. diplomacy. This is as unofficial as you can get. Are you sure you don't want to take care of this? Just stick with it until you're finished. over his head and do it for Babylon 5. <laughs> Maybe not. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two friends who have gotten to know each other and will continue to get to know each other while re-watching a classic show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And today, Laura, I get to ask you, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? Well, uh, when we talk about who we are, sometimes I don't really think about the things I've been in the past, you know? Yeah. Because they're not, like, currently active. That's fair. And so I kind of discount that. But lately, uh, a couple weeks ago, something got me thinking about who I was when I was Little Laura, you know? And right. Little Laura became Big Laura, so that's valid. They're two, yeah. two valid people. And Little Laura was, you know, every kid has something that they're super into, right? So mm -hmm. Little Laura was into reptiles, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was the reptile kid. Not weird at all. Uh, now, I have to ask initially, just, just off the bat, uh -huh. um, knowing that we were of, like, I think I was eight when Jurassic Park came out. Mm -hmm. Is this, this is heavily influencing this, this uh, turn in you <laughs> as a child? Well, so I was like a dinosaur kid before Jurassic Park. And then Jurassic okay. Park came out. And I was kind of scared of that movie. I was, I, ah. I was the kid that got really immersed in the movie. And so those things scared me. Mm -hmm. And so like the dinosaur thing I kind of gave up on and switched to reptiles. Because there weren't any like super scary movies yet about reptiles. There were a lot of B movies, mm -hmm. I'm sure. <laughs> but but <laughs> Little Laura wasn't watching those. But Little Laura especially loved turtles. Turtles were her thing. Did you have a favorite turtle? Oh, Yes. What was your favorite turtle? I mean, sea turtles as a group would probably be my favorite. The green sea turtle. Okay. Or leatherback sea turtle. You know, that's the biggest one. I have a lot of those little facts still left in my brain about turtles and, and reptiles and stuff. And I thought just everybody knew this much stuff about reptiles, but I'm constantly like <laughs> being reminded lately that not everybody does. Yeah. I, I feel like I know very little about reptiles. Really? Um, I know enough to avoid them in the desert. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the extent of my knowledge. Oh, it's something that's living in the desert? It's probably not good for me. I'm just going to stay away from it. That's just kind of my general rule of all creatures, all bugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought I've spent a lot of time in the desert. I've, I've done some hiking. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's probably when you really want to stay away from them in the desert is when you're hiking. <laughs> yeah. I almost feel a little bit cheated that we spent all that time in New Mexico and I didn't see a single rattlesnake. <laughs> My husband told me that when he was a child, too, about Owen's age, they moved to Oklahoma, right? And he was mm -hmm. terrified, did not want to move to Oklahoma because he thought he was going to see so many rattlesnakes and get bit by a rattlesnake. Uh, yeah. The man has lived 30 years in Oklahoma, never seen a rattlesnake. 
<laughs> <laughs> Even though we have about, I think there's six or seven different types here in really? in Oklahoma. Yeah. We get like the the eastern brands of rattlesnake that are on the eastern side of the United States. We get the western okay. ones. We get the western diamondback and all the, <laughs> the you know, good deserty ones. And then we have a couple yeah. of our own. <laughs> oh, nice. Nothing I've ever had to worry about up here in Michigan. Almost everything that can survive our winter is not poisonous. So wow, you don't, I don't even really have got a much single of a concern. Do you get copperheads? Uh, I've, I there's everyone has a story of like their friend's cousin's uncle, mm-hmm. college roommate saw a rattlesnake once, but mm-hmm. <laughs> no no one I actually know I believe, uh, and I know someone will listen to this and come forward afterwards. I'm sure. Um, I'll hear a story tomorrow, even before this episode is released, has actually in person seen a rattlesnake in the state. Yeah. My dad encountered one in the Dakotas once. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. He was out there pheasant hunting, and so he had a (laughs) shotgun. So when the rattler started making noise, he just shot it, just like instinctively shot it immediately. That's crazy. Yeah. he, he, He brought home the rattler. Well, that's kind of cool. Those are kind of I think neat. it's in a box in my garage right now, along with all of his various hunting trophies. Well, if you're looking for like some cheap entertainment, I say yeah. join the Oklahoma Snake Identification page. They are like a bunch of snake reptile nerds who yeah. have this page for you to, if you're in the, you know, out in the sticks and, oh no, there's a snake, you take a picture. You can send it to them. They'll tell you exactly what it is within minutes. Is this something you do in your free time? I love to I love to browse this thing because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people misidentifying and, and like everything is a copperhead to some people. It's not, you know, <laughs> and you learn a lot. You learn a lot about snakes. And, you know, there's a chance that wherever you are, if you're in the United States, that is, that you might have a snake that ranges in our state and you can mm-hmm. learn more about them or see more about like what they look like in their various forms because some of these snakes when they're babies they look way different than the grown-ups yeah and uh i mean they molt that makes sense mm -hmm. i guess yeah i say knowing that i know nothing about snakes or reptiles (laughs) in general yeah that makes sense butterflies and caterpillar yeah it all checks out it is a hoot i love to follow it and you know turtles were my thing but i feel like i'm learning more about snakes and and being mm-hmm. less scared of them. Like when I was a kid and I uh, worked for the state parks department, I was a volunteer mm-hmm. and they had some snakes that we could hold and show them to people, a speckled king snake and an eastern hognose snake. I was pretty chill with snakes, but as I got older, I don't know what happened to me. I got kind of like really scared of snakes. So I'm trying to like exposure therapy myself back into a little bit of reptile nerd. So get less scared. I don't know if I'm afraid of snakes. There's like... There's two types of fear, right? This is a conversation I've had a number of times. This is, a, I guess, a theory that my friend Chris from Draft the Universe and I have posited before, which is there's two types of fear. There's the fear of cowardice and the fear of respect. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the fear I have of snakes and most things that can be poisonous is definitely the fear of respect. Right. It's, you know, like my table saw. Um, you know, when I'm doing woodworking, I'm afraid of my table saw. It's terrifying. You should it's have a, a healthy blade. fear. Yeah. It's it's a sh- very sharp metal thing spinning very, very fast. And if something goes wrong with it, if I'm lucky, I'll lose a finger. Mm-hmm. 
Like that's not even close to the worst thing that could happen using a table saw, you know? So, you know, so it's like that, that kind of respect, the fear of respect, you know, like I am aware that you are dangerous. And so I will pay you the respect that you're due for it mm -hmm. as opposed to the fear of cowardice where it's just like snakes. Nope. Yeah. I don't touch snakes. You know, it's like, you know, it's, there's, it's different. Yeah. I think that it's very instinctual that <laughs> when you're a child, you don't fear <laughs> as many things. And then I developed like this instinctual and it's like, well, maybe if I know more about it, then I won't feel as afraid. I can still feel that respect. I can still keep a healthy space of distance between me and any wild snake that I see, but I won't be like heart pounding, freaking out because there's a snake. Yeah. I mean, it's all about having that knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, that knowledge of that snake or that knowledge of another's culture, much like this episode I of knew, Babylon 5. I knew you could do it. <laughs> Oh, it's got to get there. Anyways, so we've got season two, episode 12, Acts of Sacrifice, mm -hmm. which is a very apt title yeah. because both the A storyline and the B storyline do involve a act of sacrifice. Mm, I hate this. I hate this double meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, I hate it in the same way that Jafar hated Gropos in some ways. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, so we open up on a Narn Centauri skirmish. Narn cruiser is trying to get some civilian ships out of the area, but it's not going well. Yeah, the heavy cruiser totally takes the hit for the school bus. Yeah, it does. As it flies through the warp gate. Yeah, so this is the first of several acts of sacrifice we're going to get in this episode. Mm -hmm. We we have a nice transition out of this, you know, the the command ship deciding to place themselves in the line of fire and get exploded to Jakar, and he's playing this video for yeah. the Babylon 5 command staff. Yeah, he's outraged over the unprovoked attack on a civilian target. Mm -hmm. Sheridan says he'll talk to EarthGov about it. Jakar is convinced if Earth intervenes, the rest of the galaxy will follow. Yeah. Apparently, Londo was also invited to this talk, and he decided not to come and sent a statement saying, you know, the... The thing that you would always say in this situation, right? That, yeah. They totally had weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Yeah. These civilians were a shield for military yeah. targets. Sheridan seems to believe what Jakar is saying and does promise to assist. I like the quote that he gives us here about the first casualty of war is the truth. Yeah. That's true. Sure is. So I get to uh, apologize to you, Jafar. Several episodes back... Oh, no. There was a species that was mentioned in Sheridan talking about the species that he had seen. And he tells us this glorious, like, you know, they were beautiful and the ship was amazing. And it was just like his first contact mm -hmm. experience. We saw nothing of them. I, yeah. I said that we were going to see them later because I did. I Googled the name of that race, which is yeah. escaping me at this moment. And when I Googled the name of that race, these guys came up. And so I assumed they oh. were the same race, but we're not going to get that race that Sheridan mentioned <laughs> several oh. episodes back late, later. Uh, we just get these guys. Well, isn't that wonderful? Well, boo. Um, <laughs> we get the Lumati. They're coming to the station. They're technologically advanced, but they don't interact with any of the other species, really. And so it's very important for Earth to establish diplomatic relations with them given the current state of the galaxy and all of the, the mm -hmm. unknown pressures of everything. We need these guys in our back pocket. We need to make more friends. 
Yeah, he delegates dealing with the Lumati to Ivanova. And mm -hmm. I laughed because he tells her to get them to sign on to the Alliance by any means necessary. Do whatever you have to. Yep, whatever you have to do. That is not ominous at all. Not like this ominous episode title. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we come, we go to theme, and when we get back, Delenn and Jakar are going over the same footage uh, Jakar was going over with the command staff. Delenn brings up a valid point here. The Nard have made clear that they too desire war. Yeah. It's, it's not that they don't want this war. It's that they're losing so badly. Right. Right. She throws some of Jakar's words back in his face saying you want 100 percent. you said you would destroy them <laughs> yeah she really heavily implies here that if they intervene on behalf of the narn and by weakening the centauri military they would be complicit in the genocide of the centauri the narn are likely to commit a few years after yeah she says if we help you now the centauri are just going to need more help in a few years so yeah i mean i i I take her point. I understand it. She tells Jakar her people are tired of war. Jakar insists that diplomacy is not an option. And we cut to Zach Allen breaking up a bar fight before it gets started between some Centauri and Narn. It's a real quick cut, but it is important for later. You know, I'm wondering about the episode order. If this episode aired when it did. I know we talk about episode order a lot, but she said that thing about her people are tired of war. Uh, didn't in the previous episode we just put a fourth warrior cast person on the council oh yeah her people are not tired of war her people are ready for war right now delenn is tired of war on their behalf yeah i wonder you know if if this was in a different spot it would that statement would make the most sense because she doesn't yet know that the gray council itself is like preparing for war well the episode order has matched the episode order in my b5 season guide books that I have. Oh, okay. And those were published during the fifth season of Babylon 5. Okay. So I got to imagine whatever episode order we're in right now, it is not as wonky as season one was. Okay. And then we cut away from that to the Lumadi arriving at the station and we get to meet our two guest stars of this episode. Oh, yeah. We get Ian Abercrombie is the ambassador. He is the first of three Alfreds that we get in Babylon 5. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, none of the super famous ones, but almost all of the animated ones have roles. Oh, how fun. And this is the first, and it is, uh, he's Alfred in the Birds of Prey live action show. Oh. And then we get Paul Williams' talk. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Which is crazy to me, because I had no idea under that loaf, and then I his voice sounded familiar to me, and I'm just all like, I know that voice, but who is that? And it's Paul Williams, of course, being the Oscar and Emmy award-winning singer-songwriter. Dang. Uh, he's worked with Sinatra. He wrote a bunch of the music for A Star is Born, the original with Streisand. Wow. Uh, Three Dog Night. Uh, he worked a ton on Random Access Memories with Daft Punk. Wow. Like, he is all over the place. He has an excellent air in this whole episode, just the way yeah. he speaks and, and he has a great narrator voice. Yeah, talk, talk, talk. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his, and his character name is his function. I don't know if that was like a JMS joke, like Dagier with Linolando's wives, or if it's <laughs> like actually just so simple 
that it's just how their culture handles things. <laughs> like everyone in that position is named Talk because they talk. Fantastic. Anyways, Talk speaks for the ambassador, so he doesn't have to lower himself by speaking to a lesser species. Yeah. <laughs> and if he determines that humanity is worth their time, then he'll uh, actually talk to them. It is just horrific that no one warned Ivanova about this. I mean, somebody had to know, right? Somebody already yeah. knew that this is how we handle other species. We've talked to them in some way. But Ivanova is very graceful. She, she takes this as well as one can. After this, we cut to Londo, who just hates the fame. Yeah. He's just sick of being famous already. He's got a, a sycophant sucking up to him in his quarters, looking mm -hmm. for political favors. He wants Londo to, or well, he offers Londo some contraband, including the mm -hmm. um, Jaquan Eth plant. I thought that was a nice yeah. touch. To get Londo's good word in the right ears. And he says he'll make some discreet inquiries, but he also has a headache. Just get out of here. I'm tired of everyone sucking up to me. Mm -hmm. Sure. Go ahead, Londo. He's really lamenting all the power that he's built and gathered for himself. Mm -hmm. Just he wait. We cut to a brawl in the hallway. We've got those Centauri that were instigating a bar fight back in the casino. Hurling mm -hmm. insults at Narns are now trying to beat them with lead pipes. Zach shows up again to break it up. But one of the Narn picks up a pipe and lunges for the remaining Centauri. Zack tries to warn him to put it down, but he refuses and Zack fires, killing the unnamed Narn. Yep. I mean, this was, this unfortunately has been something that is timely in American culture for long enough where this was timely back when this episode aired. Mm -hmm. You would have been talking about Rodney King back then instead of uh, like George Floyd now, but, mm -hmm. uh, Man, it just, ugh, I just, I, this was really difficult for me. And yeah. I, I don't know how to talk about it because, you know, there's that clear, like, he's still aggressing when he's been told not to. Yeah. Um, but he also, he brought a pipe to a gunfight. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's not, that's not he, the he same. Does, he does charge him. Like, mm -hmm. Like, actually, he does actually charge him. He does actually make an aggressive action instead of just being there. Yeah. Which is, unfortunately, what we've seen all too often. So, in Sheridan's office, Jakar and Sheridan argue about this incident. Sheridan wants to help, but Anarin refusing to comply with Earth Force personnel has made it hard. Sheridan reiterates, you know, this is neutral territory. If you can't control yourselves here, you're going to have to leave. Because you compromise the neutrality of this place, this space. It's true. The neutrality is what makes Babylon 5 Babylon 5. Right. Otherwise, it'd be another Earth Force station. Right. If you're jeopardizing that neutrality, then it stops being what it is. And so you will mm -hmm. have to go. We cut to Metalab where Franklin's morals get questioned by the libertarian Adi. And they're like, bro, it's survival of the fittest. Just let him die. Like, have you even read Atlas Shrugged? Idiocracy was a warning to be acted on, not satire. Like, what's wrong with you? It's so, so horrifying to come. Because I remember this episode from when I was a kid, and I remember mm -hmm. it being cringy. Like, I, yeah. I've i cringed at this episode all my life, and I continue to do so. Uh, but also, the Limati are super into eugenics. <laughs> uh, so, fun fact, JMS on Usenet said that these two characters were specifically inspired by Bob Dole and Newt Gingrich. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how how flattering for Bob Dole and Newt Gingrich. 
<laughs> yep. Oh man. So yeah, the the doctor gets you know his special brand of righteously angry about all this. Hundred percent. Yep. Uh, Ivanova tries to scoot them along, and. The uh, Lumati condescendingly tell the doctor that his strange ideas will pass with time. Just like, <laughs> you'll get more conservative as you get older. I've heard that one. Have you heard that one? Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh have I heard that one. <laughs> oh, boy. I got your strange notions right here. We cut to Londo at the casino who has been waiting for Garibaldi to show up. Because he really just wants a friend. Yeah, this is sad. But Garibaldi is, he's not interested. He's like, I don't even know who you are anymore, Orlando. Like, you're trying to buy my friendship now? Like, what is this? Get, fuck off, Lando. Like, who are you? I don't even know anymore. Who are you, Lando? <laughs> <laughs> it does tell me that something very nice about Garibaldi, though. He's clearly that friend who, when they loan you money, just considers it a gift because he didn't expect to get this money back from Londo. No, he didn't. Like, I think that's a very healthy way to look at loaning money to friends. You know, if you get it back, great. And if you don't, you made him a gift. So that's very yep. healthy. Congratulations, Garibaldi. Yeah, don't loan anyone money you wouldn't give money to. Right. And don't loan money you don't have. So he's clearly not put himself at any sort of risk of not eating mm -hmm. by loaning this money to Garibaldi. It was, you know, freely given because he had it to freely give but everybody's afraid of londo now yeah well i mean rightfully so he is kind of mysteriously destroying entire quadrants of space uh -huh. yeah and he can tell all these you know groupies and hangers on are not real friends and he's sad and it is sad in a way he just wants a friend who isn't there just for their own self-interest right but this is definitely a situation he created by his own actions and 100%. should have had a little bit of forethought to foresee. But, you know. Yeah. Garibaldi does cave. He promises to stop by yeah. later. And every time they cut to this bartender, the, it's just so, so sad. Because you can tell she knows the truth. You can tell she's seen this kind of interaction hundreds, thousands <laughs> of times. Yeah. It's very sad. Oh, you know, most of the people she's having this interaction with aren't like genocidal monsters they it's might true. be some other kind presumably of... <laughs> presumably <laughs> you would think you would hear that about you know in universe at some point but all, all types on babylon 5 <laughs> we cut to jakar telling his people on the station to stay in line but if they really want to fight they can go join the military well it's like yeah yeah if you want to go kill some centauri go kill some centauri just go to homeworld mm -hmm. sign up for the military You'll get your chance. Don't act all big and strong when you can jump somebody behind the fucking bar. Right. He says, stop being an armchair freedom fighter. And I do find, like, armchair yep. experts on things particularly frustrating myself. So I totally get it, Jakar. Immediately after Jakar walks away, they kill Centauri. Yeah. They just pull him out of the hallway and stab him as a kill message. Like, just like, oh, yeah. Bye, Jakar. Stab. Yeah. And not only that, but they're going to kill... All Centauri on the station in six hours is what they've decided. Very short-sighted. Like, every, everyone go take a nap. In six hours, we're killing all the Centauri. But then they're tired. Well, have a nap. Then fire the missiles! Like, what do you think <laughs> is going to happen after you've killed all the Centauri on the station in six hours? Like, I don't know. They're not thinking. Nope, they're not. They're not. It's the little lizard brain, right? The little amygdala, or whatever you would call it in a nard. <laughs> Firing and doing the wrong things. Yep. So in MedLab, they confirm 
but not completely, that the Centauri was killed by a Narn. Garibaldi wants to tell Londo, but Sheridan tells him he can't. Mm -hmm. And this is what actually, I feel, prevents Garibaldi from joining Londo. Yeah. They don't explicitly say it, but I think Garibaldi's like, you got to tell Londo. And he's all like, you can't tell Londo that's an order. It's just going to make things worse. Mm -hmm. This is why he stands Londo up later. Yeah, I think that's a very good, good read of it. And I think Sheridan's completely reasonable, though, right here. Yeah, he's got a point, 100%. It's just going to escalate more violence. Mm -hmm. And you can you can hide behind bureaucracy if you need to. Like, we couldn't sign off on anything until we had something conclusive on the autopsy. Like, I totally get why he's doing it. After this, the Lumati crash Ivanova's quarters on a panty raid. Oh, my God. This, oh, my God. Uh, it's so cringy. Oh. Uh, they're just rude as hell. Start just pushing around in her stuff. They steal a piece of her clothing. Yes. Part of her pajamas. We know that's her pajamas. Because <laughs> if yeah. we haven't seen it yet, we, we'll see it later that that's what she wears to sleep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they're there because ostensibly they want to see something real on the station. They think that she's yeah. curating their experience, that she's trying to set things up to show off the best parts of Babylon 5 and the best parts of humanity. And they want to see all the real nitty gritty, which apparently involves yep. her panty drawer. Ugh. Uh, I hate these guys. The Narns. Yeah. Ugh. Just. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways, the Narns buy some swords from the mall gift shop vendor. Uh, Poison knives. Yeah. yeah. At the mall gift shop. Yeah. Did you have one of those? The, the, the mall gift shop that sells swords? Is that in Spencer's? That... that feels like Spencer's, right? I don't. I mean, <laughs> I'm just it joking. was always like some unnamed place. Yeah. Yeah. Like a local establishment. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and it was just gift shop, and it was always just like rugs and swords mm. and random in tchotchkes, mm -hmm. you know. That's gone out of fashion, hasn't it? Sure has. <laughs> Actually, uh, I watched a TikTok earlier. I should say I was sent a TikTok earlier because that's the actual truth of it. <laughs> that is, was someone looking at a bunch of tchotchke shelves in a uh, in a like Goodwill, and they're just like. In 30 years, this is going to be all Funko Pops. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nailed it. Okay. I actually had three scrub points in this episode now that I'm looking at it. So yeah. we cut back to Sheridan's office and we have him talking to an Earth Force representative on the TV about the Narn situation. About Yeah, General Richie Cunningham. Yeah. About 2508 on the HBO Max scrubber. Why is this man sitting in front of so many fans? He's just <laughs> sitting in front of a wall of fans, you guys. You got to look at it. It's very funny. I don't know where he caught this This was guy. actually called out by JMS. Oh, really? Someone had used that, noticed this when the episode aired. It was all like, what is going on? Why is he in front of a bunch of fans? And JMS is like, honestly, I have no idea. I was editing the day that they filmed this, and I just saw the footage afterwards and was furious. Um <laughs> But we always appreciate more fans here at Babylon 5. Nice. <laughs> he went for the pun. <laughs> I laughed really hard. It's one of those things if you're just watching it surface level and you're just you're just like, oh, it's a guy on the on the TV. What? Okay. But if you're looking mm -hmm. behind him, it's like at least <laughs> nine to twelve fans. It's very funny. <laughs> but anyway, Mr. Fan decides that Earth Force can't give any official help. Yeah. We're not, we're staying out of this. Sheridan takes the note and reaches out to Delenn. Meanwhile, Natoth is alerting Jakar to the mass murder plot. 
Jakar decides he's got to take care of this himself. Natoth insists on coming with. She's not going to let him go down there by himself. Yep. We we move to the uh, Libertarianati admiring the lack of an economic net and welfare that the station provides. Yeah, there's so uh, much lack of an economic safety net that at 2606, this is my script point number two. The roast and the lizards. The roasting lizards yep. over like a barrel. <laughs> is this what prompted uh, your Who Are You earlier? <laughs> I wanted to ask then, but I figured we'd hit it oh here. Oh my God, it's just subconscious, really. Yeah. My brain just putting together things like thinking about lizards and reptiles. Yeah. We did see a lot of lizards in New Mexico. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That checks. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we're roasting yeah. lizards. We get a whole speech here about how humans have the strength to segment off their inferior instead of just mercy killing them. I mean... And that they can use them as a workforce without the uh, means for growth or challenge. And they're just going to institute this back home. It's all like a class system. Oh, we never thought about this. Oh, my God. And Ivanova felt comfortable referring to these people with the, the derogatory, you know, lurker designation. Yeah. So, like, clearly she's internalized some of this is totally fine herself. She's just appalled, though. Yeah. Like, at this description of the economic situation. Which is 100% accurate. Uh, it's an accurate description for sure. Uh, she has the good sense to be embarrassed about it, but they love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so much so that the ambassador speaks without talk. You know, a uh, diplomatic backbone for alliance must be formed on a cultural similarity, not a tactical advantage. Uh -huh. And this is ours. <laughs> Just like, oh, God. This is really <laughs> fucking dark. I never caught that as a child, but that is really fucking dark. <laughs> Yeah. We're, our similarities of culture are that we, you know, we practice eugenics and you guys kind of are too. You just don't know it. Yeah. You're just embarrassed about it. We don't know why. It's genius. You guys are great at this. Oh, my God. Much more efficient than what we're doing. Yeah. So they decide to go off and discuss what terms they're willing to offer in this alliance. Hooray. Yep. Jakar goes and beats up that Narn. Yeah, they, they're rallying for the lynching, and Jakar bursts in to assert his authority. Yeah. Jakar and the Narn leader of this little group challenge one another mm -hmm. to a fight. Uh, looks very crouching tiger, hidden Narn. We got our arms <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, and final scrub point happens in this scene where uh, at 29:26 we have some great fight choreography obviously and what mm -hmm. the narn leader just like leapfrogs right over jakar's back before getting his <laughs> ass handed to him yeah just his arm just broken in one swing yeah it's terrifying jakar yells at them to go home if peace on the station is going to help win the war at home then they are going to have to just do it yep the narn leader stabs jakar in the back before Jakar is able to deck him, but Natoth helps Jakar out without calling for medical assistance. Mm -hmm. He wants to walk away strong. Well, he's, and he's poisoned. He's only a little poisoned. That's what he tells us. Yeah, a little poisoned. <laughs> uh, how do you That's know fine. you've only been a little poisoned? <laughs> oh, well. well. The fact that you can feel that you're poisoned at all means that you're probably more than a little poisoned. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways, after this, Sharon and Delenn discuss using Franklin's Underground Railroad to get medical supplies and food to the Narn, 
and to get civilians out, not in an official capacity. They <laughs> note that they can't do a lot, but they can do something. Yeah. We've got excess food around here. If you've got some Mbari transports who will take it, you know, then mm -hmm. together we can do something. It's not, you know, it's not nothing. And we can get a few people out. Delenn points out, you know, this is very risky, but uh, Sheridan believes this is a matter of conscience, not convenience. So good on him. We cut back to the Lumadi who want to finalize the alliance the traditional way. Uh, Fuck it. Uh, and Ivanova fakes a phone call to Corrin yeah. to get herself the hell out of there. She does the time-honored tradition that we ladies all, all know to do. We phone a friend. Oh, yep. <laughs> oh, man. I, I do have a bit of commentary on this right Go now. Go for it. I'm not saying that this is good or correct in either regard just to get it out there off the top <laughs> i'm not trying to suggest this is a good way to do anything especially the cavalier way of which it is brought about because he just starts unrobing <sighs> in sheridan's office yeah in sheridan's <laughs> office i'm sure the captain won't mind us using his office to conclude the deal that's fantastic but for a moment of introspection on our own human culture, how different is this from royals getting married off to secure alliances in medieval times? Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely like a historical basis for it, right? Or arranged marriages throughout most of history. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's really almost a more civilized version of that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> like... Because it's not a lifetime commitment. A sanitized, like... We're just going to do this thing really quick instead of you and I now have to try to rule together or ma yeah. make our alliance work. Yeah, I mean, um, it's similar. What this episode strikes me of is that that 90s trend that happened in a lot of Star Treks, at least. And it, well, it happened in other shows, mm -hmm. too. I Seinfeld is one that comes up to my mind. It's like, oh, let's have an episode about the sex mishap, you know, the yeah. the. Silly, sexy situation. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, I'm so glad that I don't feel like Babylon 5 has as many of these as some other shows. Um, mm -hmm. But I do hate this episode for that. <laughs> to just spoil some a little bit. She runs off from her awkward situation in security. Natath has offered up the Narn leader who killed the Centauri. She's mm -hmm. giving him as a peace offering. Sheridan and Garibaldi accept that. Also, Garibaldi does a great Londo impression. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a Londo impression that passes. Yeah. It's perfect. I love it. Ivanova talks to Franklin, oh my the God. station's leading authority on inappropriate sexual advances. It's all right. I'm a doctor. Oh, this, uh, <laughs> this frustrates me because, you know, she's got a... Because he suggests the paper bag. Yeah. She's got a serious problem and he makes an insensitive joke. Right. Then he goes, well, well I, could, I could make you get sick. So he is, like, trying to help, like, after that. He just had to yeah. get his terrible joke out first. Yeah, this, this miserable discourse does give her an idea, however. Yeah, big brain. Jakar is dealing with injury and gets himself way too excited for the news he's about to get. He keeps his uh, discontent and disappointment together for a moment. Yeah. As uh, he gets the news that they're going to help in an unofficial capacity 
And that if he tells anyone that he was able to secure help from other races, then they're going to lose that help. Yeah. So he can't even use it as like a way to back up his leadership, which is clearly being questioned right now. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it's it saves lives, but at his sacrifice mm-hmm. of being able to leverage it or do anything or like it is just he gets this level of help. If he pushes for any more, he's going to lose it. If he tells anyone about it, he's going to lose it. But he needs it, even though it's not what he wanted. Yeah, this is a very... Or what they really needed, to be perfectly honest. Right. It's not what they really needed. It's what the... only what they can get. It's very important help, but there are other layers mm-hmm. that would have been important that he's being denied. Yeah. Andreas just acts the hell out of this laugh cry mm-hmm. as he walks into the hallway. Yeah. Um, there's actually a quote from him. In the uh, season guide book, where he's all like, Straczynski is a very evil man for putting his actors through scenes like this. Yeah. This was his quote. I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> it's very it's heavy. heavy. He gets yeah. the hardest character in that way, I think. Or, well, mm-hmm. you know, you can make arguments in any direction. But at this moment, it's definitely the hardest character. But speaking of characters with hard jobs... In her quarters, Ivanova. Ivanova tricks the ambassador into thinking that they have had sex. And this is the worst scene of all, Babylon 5, and I will be taking no questions. Thank you very much. You know, I think we should all be moving on by now. Oh, we we got to talk about her hair I and its know, full you've... blown out 90s glory. You can talk about it. It's fine. But I still hate it. I love her hair, though. Yeah, her hair is glorious in this scene. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Anytime they let her have fun hair is good. She does a ridiculous song and dance uh, after tricking the Lamadi mm. into having sex human style. Uh, she fakes an orgasm and tells him he was great. I'll have what she's having. Uh, uh, yes, what now? And this is this is hilarious. <laughs> this this quote is hilarious. He's like, what now? He's like, old style, you roll over and fall asleep. New style, we go out for pizza and never speak again. That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't the rest of the scene, feel free to be upset about. I, I understand being upset about it 100%. Um, but that quote is hilarious. I don't I don't care. Yeah. I will say, if this gets rebooted for HBO Max, though, like, if they redo this, mm-hmm. this turns into, like, a dominatrix thing, right? Do you want me to beg this? That... <laughs> Good. Like, it, it, like, you take this in a weirder, well, not a weirder direction, but maybe a more serious but also not what he had expected direction oh yeah there are okay. some definite human sex stuff that was probably not at all what he was expecting yeah that you could totally bring into it like some really weird fetish thing that she's just doing to make him think human sex is disgusting <laughs> um, she could just like th- tie him up and leave him <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah no I could I could totally see that. Yeah, that's definitely the HBO version, though, right? Not the CW. <laughs> yeah, just flog them for three hours. Good times. Fifty Shades of Babylon 5. So, uh. <laughs> so I know we made that Fifty Shades joke last episode. Uh-huh. I'm going to go ahead and officially throw out there that there's no way we can do this. <laughs> because there are two other Babylon 5 podcasts that recently got started. One is only on like their second or third episode right now. And it's the Gray 17 podcast. Oh, nice. And then there's also the Gray Sector podcast. I've not listened to either of mm-hmm. these podcasts. Just full disclosure, I, I recently learned of their existence. I've not had any time because I'm still doing my kitchen reno. So I've not listened to either of these. But 
I think it's theirs. Yeah, obviously this idea is theirs. Uh, they've, they've got gray in their title, so, you know, 50 shades of gray sector or gray <laughs> 50 shades, whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. like... Go with God. Just, we're, we're just going to let you have that. That's a freebie from us to you. It's a gift we give you freely. Mm-hmm. It is yours. Yep. Take it. So we get past all that horribleness that I definitely did not leave the room for. And then Lando uh, doesn't make the murder a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, he's actually super cool. He's they're, they're in Sheridan's office, like, begging Lando, please be cool, man. Yeah. Please be cool. He's like, this guy was a shit. I told him he was going to fuck up, and he did. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to deport this Narn. We're going to seize all of his belongings and auction them. And the money's going to go to the Centauri military because the irony is justice enough. Yeah. He just uh, is relatively lenient and very amiable when he leaves. Sheridan catches Ivanova in the officer's club mm-hmm. with a gift from the ambassador. It's probably a sex toy. It's something. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. I thought it was a little hat, but you're right. A sex toy makes way more sense. Doesn't it, though? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna, that's, that ain't me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that thing's for. Uh, Londo's back alone in the casino near closing time. And mm-hmm. Garibaldi shows up in an awful 90s shirt, which is every time Garibaldi or Sheridan or any male on this show wears not, their uniform. <laughs> their civvies. Yeah, just yeah. so awful. He thanks Londo for being cool. Mm-hmm. And Londo says, hey, if it makes your life easier, then I'm happy. And that's actually a very sweet thing for a genocidal person to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the bartender, I don't know if you caught this, but the bartender sits down a definitely, n- probably not chemically inoffensive drink, which is probably That's Londo's. a Shirley Temple. You think so? Hundred percent. That's a Shirley Temple. No, you look at look at Garibaldi's face as he's deciding whether or not to drink this drink. No, he smiles. He he knows. He knows that it's a chemically inoffensive drink. Hundred percent. That's a Shirley Temple. Like you look at it, it's the right color. It's just that diluted grenadine red. It's got the cherry in it. The whole deal. It's served exactly like how you'd serve a Shirley Temple. I looked at that drink with my bartending days in mind and it's like oh he got a shirley temple that's cute i think he's humored that a shirley temple was ordered for him instead of a water you think is so what i think it is to be perfectly honest that's how i read that scene oh i read it as he's like he spends a long time looking at this drink like he's deciding if he's going to drink it or not and then he decides I think he's he deciding does. if he's gonna keep company with londo more than the drink hmm. okay so you think londo did give him a chemically inoffensive drink and yes. I read it differently. Huh. I, I am convinced 100% that that is a non-alcoholic beverage. Londo would not risk mm. losing his literal only friend, over, especially something he knows that has been such a problem, too. Yeah, okay. So his, his like look on his face is him deciding whether or not he can be friends with this person, who is yeah. probably a genocidal maniac, not about an alcoholic drink. Okay. I guess I'll buy into that. I thought it was, right. it was alcoholic and he was about to slip down his fall off the wagon path. Nope. No, I'm, I, that was 100% a Shirley Temple. Like I thought about, I saw that and was all like, I'm going to make myself one. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> thinking about it. That's fine though. If, I mean, it, I, I guess it could be either way, but I don't think we get like a Garibaldi alcoholic relapse for a while. Yeah. I think that's a plot point in a later season, but. Yeah. It, I know it's I coming. It I just don't bit. know when. Yeah. 
anyways, uh, in something that we'll probably not agree on at all, Laura, <laughs> on a scale of Babylon 1 to 5, how'd you feel about this episode? I hate the B-plot. I hate it so much. I I didn't like sitting through this B-plot when I was a child, and I didn't really understand what was going on there at the end. Like, because mm-hmm. you don't know what sex is, really. Like, Yeah. But I could feel that it was uncomfortable, and it's only gotten worse with age for me. Yeah, I mean, personally feeling uncomfortable with that scene, 100%. It's just hard to see a kind of experience that I've had that that I know mm-hmm. so many other women have had. You know, I know singers who've been literally chased around the piano by a composer or a pianist played for laughs. It's really hard. That's that's fair. Uh, 100%. And my read of it is a little different. I see a situation of someone who is put into something uncomfortable like that and takes ownership of it and turns it back on that person. I hate the onus being put on us for that. A hundred percent. I hate that that was something that I saw as a young girl that, hey, you're going to have to think your way out of this box. There's no one to help you. I hate that. Yeah. No, no. It should not be her job to do it. You know, you're correct in everything that you've said. You know, we do put an unfair responsibility as a society on women to avoid a sexual assault. That is a very real problem that we have as a culture. I just feel like the message contributed to that. And whether or not he intended it. Yeah. It's like, well, I got this strong character and she's going to think her way out of it. And it's like, that's not always how it works. Yeah. <laughs> you can be a strong ass person and still not have this experience. This episode is is below average Babylon 5 for me. And it's not anything to do with the A plot. You know, I think that's very hard stuff that we're grappling with with these Narn and Centauri. And I think that Andreas is brilliant in his acting throughout the whole thing. Uh, the ending of the Lumati plot kills it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me super uncomfortable. Not something that I want to see played for laughs in my media. Um, yeah, that's fair. And to me, that just bumps it below the average. So I would have to give this one a two out of five Babylons. A hundred percent. I... I feel like the Lumati stuff was a lot, for sure. Just all of it in general. It is a very cutting criticism of some of the worst aspects of our culture. Yeah. Uh, which is very <laughs> difficult to see thrown in your face in a way that is very unappetizing on purpose. Yeah. And so, like how I felt about Gropos, it, it did a good job of making me feel bad at times, for sure. Um, especially with uh, the message about how we treat our poor, our, our undesirables. But there's a lot of really good character work for both Lando and Jakar in this episode. Oh, for but sure. But I do really appreciate. And so I'm going to give it a three out of five for that. Yeah, it really gets that sort of human. <laughs> it's weird to say humanization, but uh, humanization back to Lando as we see him just be kind of sad and pathetic. Yeah. He's done horrible, monstrous things in the last few episodes, and that's all very fresh. Mm-hmm. And yet he's just kind of a sad person. And he needs to be here so that he can respond how he responds in a couple of episodes mm-hmm. to the heavy stuff that's on its way right now for him. Uh, no pun intended. Looking forward, it seems like there is a lot of heavy stuff coming up. Can you tell us about the next episode? 
Yeah, we've got season two, episode 13, Hunter Prey. An Earth special agent searches the station for a supposed military criminal, but Sheridan knows better. Guessing some more conspiracy theory stuff from him. Oh, boy. Uh, Kosh <laughs> accepts Sheridan's invitation to share information about their respective cultures. Yeah, so we get to know more about Kosh, maybe? Question mark? <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember this episode at all offhand, but we'll see. Maybe I do. There might it. be a bit with Kosh that I'm remembering, but I think that's later. Yeah, there was a bit that with Kosh that I was hoping was in this episode. I have gone ahead and watched it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was not there yet. So, Okay. <laughs> if we're thinking of the same bit, we both have to wait. I, I bet we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our lovely theme music. You can find more of his music at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine for our podcast artwork. Thank you to everyone who has emailed us. And if you'd like to email us, go ahead and shoot us an email at whoareub5 at gmail.com. And then you can also join our Discord where our community is active and making lots of memes. Yeah. So many memes. <laughs> it's it, You know when it's going to be a meme dump when the first one comes through? There's never just one, guys. No. There's it's n- always more. That's the best part. Like I, I almost never catch it while it's happening, but... Getting to scroll back and see the giant stream of them that has happened is always a source of joy in my day. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And thank you to you guys for listening. We really appreciate you listening. If you feel so inclined, maybe go rate this on a podcatcher. I don't know if we have any ratings out there anywhere, so that might be We've got a handful of five stars on Apple Podcasts, but no one's written a review. Okay. Mm. No one has (laughs) anything to say about it. They just like it. Honestly, there's there's worse publicity. So yeah, there's it. worse places to be than that. So. Mm-hmm. All right. See you next week, Internet. Bye. Bye.